Uh, so we are we're really excited about that. I, I want to start with a game today. Uh, I uh, no, I'm not. Let me back up. Let me back up. I got one more thing I want to do before that. Uh, <clears throat> I want to tell you about something that I'm really excited about, Uh, something I want to put on your radar. January 26th. Everybody say January 26th. Very good. You ever heard of something, uh, something that somebody was doing and you just instantly knew that it was a good idea and you just wanted to be a part of that? You knew right away that what was going on was important and that it was going to make a difference for a long time? On January 26th, we're going we're gonna to have that experience. We're going to hear from a ministry organization that is doing something that is making a difference and is going to continue to make a difference for a long time. On January 26th, we're going to be talking to Rose Condra and Donna Wessner, who uh, work with Choices Life Resource Center. Donna is the manager of the Salem branch, and Rose Condra is the executive director of Choices Life Resource Center. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be learning about their work. We're going to be learning about their ministry in our communities. They have offices in Salem, in Corden, and then in New Albany as well. And so we're going to be learning about what they do uh, for young families, for young women, for even young men to, to prepare them for parenthood. And you're going to hear uh, how you can be a part of that ministry. There's a lot of really practical things that, that any of us could do that would make a big difference to them. And then, this is what I'm really excited about. On January 26th, the entire offering that we take up on that day, we are going to donate to Choices to see their work furthered in our community. Uh, you know, our, our vision here is communities changed by Christ. And uh, on January 26th, we want to we wanna give that offering to see that happen through an organization that's doing incredible work in our community. So we're really excited about that. I want to put that on your radar now. Uh, plan to be here for that, right? And, and if I could be so bold, plan your giving accordingly, okay? If you give bi-weekly or once a month or whatever, uh, plan so that it falls on that day. Okay, uh, we're really excited about that. Um, let's start with a game. Today I want to start with a game. I'm going to tell you about a date. I'm going to tell you a date, and uh, you tell me what famous person has their birthday on that date. Okay, you good with that one? Think you can do this? I'm going to start with an easy one. February 12. Any Abraham Lee? I'm sorry. The correct answer was me. And Will Collins. That's right. Uh, yeah, Abraham Lincoln is a little-known historical fact. Abraham Lincoln shares a birthday with Will and I. So, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's do another easy one. February 22nd, George Washington. Now we know why President's Day is in February, right? Okay, let's, uh, let's do another one. This might be a little bit more challenging, but I bet somebody's going to get it. January 8th. Elvis Presley's birthday was on January 8th. That's exactly right. Uh, my grandma's birthday, uh, her and Elvis actually shared the, the same birthday, birth year, and so she always joked she got the looks and he got the talent. So um, I want to do another easy one, then we'll make it a little bit more challenging. January 15th. January 15th? Martin Luther King Jr. Very good. Let's get a little more challenging. Anybody know whose birthday was March 20th? March 20th, Bueller, Bueller, 
Okay, uh, March 20th is Fred Rogers, the greatest neighbor of all time. All right, and I've got one more for you. This one is challenging. If you get this one correct, I have a gift for you in the lobby after service, okay? So put your smartphones away and just see if you can do this. May 9th. Anybody know whose birthday was May 9th? That's a good guess, but no. Uh, May 9th is Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Why do I bring this up? Why why am I asking about all these birthdays? Because we recognize the birth of people whose lives have changed the world. We recognize the birth of people whose lives have changed the world. And that's what we're doing at Christmas. That's what we're doing at Christmas. We recognize the birth of Jesus because His life changed the world. And today you're going to hear from two people who are going to explain to us how Jesus' life changed the world. So, uh, if you would, open up in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verse 25, or I'll have it up here on the screen for you. And and while you're doing that, I want to set the stage just a little bit. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, this is eight days after Jesus' birth, and his parents leave Bethlehem and go to Jerusalem. They're going to go to to the temple in Jerusalem, and they're going to perform the, the ritual circumcision ceremony for the little baby Jesus. And now, that may not sound like a a big deal to you, um, but Jerusalem is a a five-hour hike from Bethlehem. It's not very far by car, but if if you're going to walk, there's these things called mountains. you got to traverse to get from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And I don't know what you were doing eight days after your first baby was born, but I was just trying to survive. Now, I wasn't thinking about going on a five-hour hike Okay? That was not going to happen. I was just wondering if I was ever going to sleep again. Okay? Was this really a good decision? I'm just kidding about that. Leah's in this service. I was just kidding about that. Um, so this is, uh, this is what they're doing. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, they're heading into Jerusalem. And uh, as they walk into the temple area, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a a righteous and devout man. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus uh, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. And and so Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to, be, to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Okay, so right off the bat, we're introduced to a man named Simeon. He's a good man. He's a godly man. And God has made a promise to Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah. 
You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And on this particular day, the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to get up and go to the temple. And when he does, he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, Simeon knows that Jesus is the Messiah and he takes the baby and he picks him up and he starts praising God. And I don't know what you think of when you read this scene, but my mind very quickly goes to the Lion King. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know who in the temple was singing that that day, but somebody definitely was. Okay, that's not what Simeon said. What he actually said is, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. You've prepared it for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him as a result. The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon's explaining why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So let me, let me walk through this with you. Simeon's saying, Lord, I can die in peace because I have seen your salvation. Simeon can die in peace because he's seen the Messiah. The Bible tells us that we can die in peace if we know the Messiah. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting verse 13, here's what Paul writes. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that uh, what will happen to the believers who die so that you won't grieve like those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. That hope is for everyone. Simeon says it this way, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Which you have prepared for all people. God's salvation is for everyone. Now verse 32 says, He's a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. Let me tell you how light doesn't work. Let me tell you what doesn't happen when you try to utilize light. Let's say you're at your house and you go into your bedroom at night and it's dark and you flip the light switch on. There's no voice that comes from the light bulb that says, hey, thanks for choosing electricity. Got a couple of questions for you before we begin. I just want to know, are you a, a good person? You generally do things well? Okay, very good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you got any tattoos? Okay, good. Glad to hear that. Have you ever watched an alcohol commercial the whole way through without telling somebody that you don't drink? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Okay. Now, uh, last question. Last question. Have you ever utilized another source of light before? Uh, fireplace, candle, flashlight, Coleman lantern, anything like that? Oh, you have. Okay, well, uh, we're not going to be able to work together, hope you have a good time, stumbling around in the darkness. That's not how light works. You know how light works? Light works for whoever chooses to use it. Light works for whoever chooses to use it. And Jesus will bring salvation to everyone who chooses to follow him. Let's talk about how that works. Verse 34, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many are going to oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. I want to sum this up for you just very quickly. Simeon is telling us that Jesus is going to reveal people who want to be with God. And Jesus is going to reveal people who want to be 
God. He's going to reveal people who want to be with God, and he's going to reveal people who want to be God. Now, let me be honest here. There aren't a lot of people who think of themselves as God, right? There's not, there's not a whole bunch of people who think that we're Zeus, who live up on Mount Olympus and we can throw down lightning bolts, right? Nobody thinks they look good in a toga. That's not what we're talking about here. But understand that when we ignore God commands, the, ignore the things that God commands, what we're really saying is, I can do a better job of life than God can. We ignore what God commands. What we're saying is, I can do a better job of life than God can. And here's what I know. Somebody that you care deeply about lives in that world. They don't think of themselves as a person who lives on Mount Olympus throwing lightning bolts and wearing a toga and, and holding the whole world together with their hands, but they do say, I know better than God does when it comes to this subject. And Jesus came to reveal people who want to be with God and people who want to be God. So what do you say to that person that you love deeply who in their own life is God? What do you say to that person? Because you've tried to have that conversation before and it's ended with an argument. What do you say to that person because you've had that conversation before and they don't want to talk about Christianity anymore? What do you say to that person because it gets ugly early? My advice to you is start where Jesus starts. My advice to you is start where Jesus starts. In John chapter 4, he has a conversation with a woman at a well. And she's had an up and down life. She's had an up and down life. Five times she's experienced the joy of a wedding day. Five times she's felt the pain of divorce. And at some point in her life, she says, God, I know better than you in this area of my life. And she's living with a man, not her husband. And as Jesus talks to this woman, he reveals his knowledge of her life, but not in a way that guilts her or humiliates her or belittles her. He reveals it in a compassionate and healing way. In John chapter 8, there's this woman. She's caught in adultery and the religious leaders bring her in and they drag her before Jesus and they throw her down on the floor and they say, Jesus, what do you want us to do this woman? And the law commands that we stone her. And they've got their rocks, and they're ready to throw them. And Jesus says, whichever one of you is without sin, cast the first stone. And the rocks fall to the floor. And the religious leaders walk away. Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And so the one who could throw stones instead gave hope. And here's what we need to know, church. None of us can cast stones, but we can give hope. Jesus didn't deny that we should live the way God commands. He never denies that. He says, go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't deny that we should live the way God commands, but he always forgives the past before looking to the future. Start where Jesus starts. It turns out the best way to help somebody understand that they're not God is to introduce them to God. It turns out that the best way to help somebody understand that they're not God is to introduce them 
to God. So my grandma, um, before she passed, she had Alzheimer's. And the last few years of her life, she couldn't drive anymore. And uh, so we had to have that conversation with her. Actually, my aunts and uncles and my mom had that conversation with her. And there's a couple of different ways you can have a conversation like that. You can go into the room and you can say, Mom, you know you're, you're getting a little confused sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you get out and you get confused and, and you panic and, and you can freeze up in a moment and, and that could be dangerous for you and that could be dangerous for other people in the road and so we can't let you drive anymore. Now, are all of those things true? Absolutely. But here's what that conversation does. It crushes my grandma's spirit and anger and outrage and humiliation and fear are all perfectly normal responses to a conversation like that. My mom had a better idea. Instead of pointing to all of the reasons she couldn't, we pointed to someone who could. Let me me explain it to you. Instead of pointing out all the reasons that my grandma couldn't, we pointed to someone who could. So instead of saying, Grandma, you can't drive anymore, What we would say is, hey, Grandma, I know that you have a doctor's appointment today, and it would be my privilege to take you to the doctor. And maybe afterwards we could go get some lunch, and we'll go to the pharmacy, and then we can come back and just spend some time together. I've really been looking forward to this, and this is going to be a great day. And instead of pointing out all the reasons that someone can't, we pointed to someone who could. And I'm telling you with Christianity, instead of pointing out all the reasons somebody can't, Point to someone who can. His name is Jesus. Every religion in the world, every religion in the world has a plan for getting right with God. It's amazing to me that all over the world, people people just have this innate knowledge that we somehow fall short of a divine standard. Whatever God is worshipped in whatever religion, people just inherently know that we somehow fall short of His glory. We fall short of His standard of what He deems acceptable. We know that we don't measure up to the glory of God. Every religion has a plan to get right with God. And in every religion around the world, except Christianity, that plan involves doing good. That plan involves being righteous, earning your way into God's favor. Uh, As Charles Spurgeon would have said, every religion around the world would say that holiness is the way to God. Except for Christianity. I heard a joke um, about a grandma and grandpa. They were buying Christmas presents for all their grandkids, and the job just kept getting bigger and bigger. Uh, The kids kept getting older and the presents got more expensive and their tastes diversified. And so one year, Grandma and Grandpa decided that instead of buying presents for all the kids, they were just going to give them money. So Grandpa goes to the bank, Grandma starts writing out the Christmas cards, and they seal them up and they mail off the Christmas cards. And after they're in the mail, Grandpa realizes that he forgot to put the money in the cards. And so when the kids open up their Christmas cards from Grandma and Grandpa, it simply reads, buy your own present. Grandma and Grandpa. And that's what, that's what the religions of the world are telling us about God. 
Find your own presence. Find your own righteousness. Figure it out on your own. Make your own way back to God. Christianity doesn't say that though. Christianity says your salvation isn't based on your merit. Your salvation is based on God's mercy. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned or how many regrets you have. It doesn't matter because your salvation doesn't depend on your perfection. It depends on Jesus' perfection. And so here's what I need to tell you. Here's what you need to tell those people in your life that live as their own God. Jesus didn't start by demanding our righteousness. He started by giving us his. So start where Jesus starts. Start where Jesus starts. That's the gospel. That is the good news of Christmas. That is why we sing joy to the world because we have been given something that we could never attain. And by the power of Holy Spirit, we hold on to something that we could never hold. We have been given God's righteousness. During the communion meditation, I read to you from 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read it again. Here's what Paul says. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Message message of Christianity isn't God hates me because I'm a sinner. The message of Christianity is God loves me enough to rescue me from my sins. And if you've never heard that before, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that the church is more adept at pointing out sin than pointing to a Savior. But please don't let that stop you from accepting His gift of righteousness. Because remember, God's salvation is like light. It works for everyone who chooses to accept it. And here's how you choose God's message. You start by admitting you need Him. You start by admitting you need Him. I've heard it said that the three hardest things to say in the English language are, I was wrong, I need help, and Worcester Sire Sauce. I don't know about the last one. I actually still don't know how to say it. Uh, but I've struggled to say I was wrong. I've struggled to say I was wrong. If you want the truth, I lived a lot of life acting like I was God. I was wrong. And I needed help. And neither of those things are easy to say. But if you know in your heart that you were wrong and you need help, I have good news. Jesus already helped you. You just have to accept it. Listen, when you flip the switch, the light will come on. This happens in baptism. The Bible tells us that when we're baptized, it's not taking a spiritual shower. It's not us shampooing the sin off the outside of our lives. Baptism is where we say to God, I was wrong and I need help. It's where we say, I need Jesus to give me His righteousness. And you know what God will say when we flip on the light? Yes. Yes. That's what I want for you. 
if I'm talking to you, I want to give you an action step. I'm going to be in the lobby after service, and if you'd like to be baptized today, if you'd like to turn on the light in your faith, we can absolutely do that. Just find me. We'll baptize you today. If you didn't bring clothes, don't let that stop you. We've got baptism clothes back there. We got towels for you, okay? I would love for you to make Jesus your God today because the fact of the matter is you are a terrible God. You're a terrible God, and you know it, okay? So let Jesus be your God. That's why Simeon had peace because he revealed all of that. He shared all of that with Mary and Joseph, and that's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But I want to share one more thing with you. Uh, there was a, a prophetess named Anna. She was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had only been married for seven years. Then she lived as a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. I love this. She talked about the child to everyone who had been anxiously awaiting the rescue of God for Jerusalem. What did Anna do? She talked about the child. She talked about the child. Instead of pointing out all the reasons that someone can't, she pointed to someone who could. And that's my challenge for us. Instead of pointing out all the reasons someone can't, point to someone who can. I heard a story about Jimmy Baker a while back. In the 80s, he was an internationally known televangelist. You've probably heard of him if you did much living in the 80s. Uh, and he was incredibly talented, incredibly talented speaker, and uh, he became uh, world famous and very wealthy. But if you know the name Jimmy Baker today, you don't associate it with a well-known preacher. You associate the name Jimmy Baker with a man who was caught in scandal, sexual and financial scandal. And ultimately, Jimmy Baker ended up spending five years in prison. And years later, he told the story of the most important day of his imprisonment. He said, I was sick. I had just left the infirmary, and the doctor said I probably had pneumonia, and that after work I should go back to my bunk and rest as much as possible. In prison, having pneumonia doesn't get you out of your work. Um, and, and Jimmy Baker's job in prison was to clean toilets. And he had a specific set of clothing that he wore when he was cleaning toilets. He had an old pair of tennis shoes with holes in them. He didn't want to get his nicer clothes dirty. And he had a specific set of uh, his prison jumpsuit that he wore to clean toilets, and it was ratty, and it was stained, and it smelled bad. And, and he's in this outfit heading to work when one of the guards says, Baker, warden wants to see you. Get up there now. He's going, wait a minute. Done anything wrong? I didn't miss any work just because I went to the infirmary. What am I? And so he says to the guard, "Well, what does he want? <coughs> you got a visitor now. Hurry!" But it's not visiting out. Shut up and go to the warden's office. And so Jimmy Baker gets to the warden's office and he knocks, and then he kind of hesitantly enters. And in the warden's office with him is Billy Graham, who has just been named one of the three most respected people in the world. And across the room, to a man 
who's hacking with pneumonia, smells of toilet bowl cleaner and other things, has dirty shoes with holes in them, a man who is imprisoned for financial and sexual impropriety. Across the room to that man, Billy Graham walks and says, hey brother, I just want you to know I love you, and so does Jesus. You know what he was doing? He was pointing to the child. Point to the child. Let's pray. God, you are holy and righteous and just. And Jesus, you are the exact representation of his nature. You are God among us. And you came to this earth solely for the purpose of redeeming us. And we praise you for that. God, if there are any of us in here who don't know you as Lord, who don't know your salvation, God, would you give us the courage to turn the light on in our faith? Give us the courage to have the conversation we need to have today. If it's with me, I'll praise you. If it's with somebody else, I will praise you. And if none of that happens, I will praise you because you are worthy. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.